Hello, and welcome back to Brace. Today on the episode, Tommy and I are going to be discussing some of the recent events around transgender medicine, uh, what that movement has meant in our culture, and what we think the best steps forward and really how our society as a whole should be talking about this subject. And I think this is going to be pretty interesting because Tommy and I, although we agree on a lot of stuff, uh, have slightly different perspectives when it comes to the role of government, the role of the individual, and what should be going on here. So, uh, Tommy, I think you would self-identify more as uh, libertarian than me. So um, can you tell me right now, uh, just off the bat, what would the the libertarian solution be for everything going on? And, and we'll talk about some of the, the very most recent news around Vanderbilt um, and the gender transition surgery and, and the, the backlash that they got and what they're doing about it. But tell me, what is the libertarian um, approach to transgenderism? Well, I, I don't plan to speak for the entire libertarian party, uh, but I will, I, will give, I will give my libertarian stance. Sounds good. Uh, and my opinion is that adults, and uh, maybe it's not 18-year-olds, right? Tobacco and beer have to be 21. And even I think those might need to be adjusted to to 24 to when the brain is fully developed. But my point is that adults, I think, should be able to do what they want. Uh, and if they believe that sex change surgery uh, is what they would like to do to better themselves, I think they should be allowed to do it. However, I don't think any uh, sex change uh, surgeries or hormone blockers uh, should be used in in pretty much anybody that's under 18. And again, this is because I don't believe the brain has been fully developed. I don't think this sort of intervention actually deals with the root cause of the problem. And yeah, that's that's essentially where I would lay my initial claim as a as the libertarian speaking, I guess. Okay. Well, I, I asked that because I think the the liberal view is is um, pretty well known as as that's kind of what. Uh, if you turn on a CNN or an MSNBC and you see anybody talking about this um, this issue, that's that's the point of view you're going to hear. Um, and kind of similar with, you know, if you have Fox News or one of the other um, lesser conservative outlets, you kind of get what they're hearing. So I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you. I think the, the big claim there that I would disagree with, I think um, I uh, completely agree that surgery or, or home, hormones for children that maybe confused about their gender is um, a, a dangerous precedent to set um, and doesn't deal with the actual issue, like you said. But neither does it for adults. So when you say that adults should be able to do what they want, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I think that in um, Oregon right now, it's it's technically, a, a, or it might be Washington, one of them's a, a sanctuary state for assisted suicide. Do you think that any adult should be able to walk into any hospital in the country and say, hey, I actually kind of want to die. So um, can you help me out with that? Right. So I guess I should clarify my position. Um, it actually, you know, uh, Paul brought this up a little bit before we were, uh, you know, chatting once the mics were on. And, you know, it made me think, you know, maybe you, 
nobody should just be able to walk into a hospital and have any sort of treatment without anything going on before, whether that be a consultation or, you know, tests or, you know, for like assisted suicide. I think there should be a lot of therapy uh, and discussion. Right. I think if someone's in that mind space, uh, something is clearly wrong with their mind and therefore they should some I, I think they deserve help and, and should be able to receive it. But I don't think that helping them kill themselves is necessarily the right way to do it. And so where this comes into sex change therapy or hormone blockers, to me, this would be if someone even as an adult feels like they are a different sex, I think some steps should be taken prior to just saying, okay, let's, you know, chop it off. Things probably such as therapy, or at least consultation, talking to different doctors, getting different opinions. And and, and so that's where I'll, you know, in a sense, clarify my uh, belief. So, and I'm not going to just try to make this and an, I don't want to set you up and then just attack you the whole time. Don't get It's okay, Paul. <laughs> you've got, you've got some good arguments. I, well, I appreciate that. Um, the issue that I have with that solution of, oh, you need to consult a doctor too, or whatever it is, is that right now people are going to doctors and the doctors are saying, oh, you think you're trans. Okay. Um, here's the hormone you need. Uh, you know, here's your testosterone injections. Um, you know, here's your estrogen blockers. And, you know, if you want to schedule something next week for the top surgery, we can do that. There will never be an incentive, uh, the way things are currently set up, for a doctor to say, maybe there's some other non-invasive solution to this problem. Because doctors are part of the hospital system. Hospitals get paid for surgeries. Uh, hospitals, uh, Doctors also often have deals with medicine uh, distributors, um, pharmaceutical companies, whatever it might be. So the fact that I think it's Pfizer, and don't quote me on that if I'm wrong, but I think Pfizer has uh, one of the hormone blockers, puberty blockers, excuse me, that's most commonly used. And I don't have any evidence to back this up. Don't get me wrong. But it would very much surprise me if the people that are uh, prescribing those the most often aren't getting a kickback for those prescriptions. And I think the idea that you need to go in and get a consult to do something that harms you physically, it doesn't quite make any sense, right? Like when you when you take a step back and you say this is a, a physically healthy individual who has a mental inclination that says I'm in the wrong body. My body isn't this one that I'm in. It's another one. The solution to try to change their body physically to match what their brain thinks it is is a barbaric and inaccurate solution. And so the idea that, like, I'm glad we're in agreement about children uh, because children, like you said, don't have their brains developed. I think we could have a really interesting conversation about adulthood, 18, 21, 24, 25, what that line should be. But regardless, the idea that someone who definitely is not fully emotionally and uh, mentally developed can walk into a doctor and say, hey, I made it to 18. I still feel this way. Let's do the surgery. As someone that's a part of this society that doesn't suffer from that inclination, I think that we are doing more harm by allowing doctors to, in my opinion, break their Hippocratic oath of doing no harm. 
because you're taking a healthy body and you're you're making it unhealthy. And I think I'll, I'll lead that into not to, to monologue too long here, but uh, one of the stories I wanted to talk about was Vanderbilt Medical Center uh, suspended its gender transition surgeries for minors following uh, a bit of backlash. And this was basically, I think it was Matt Walsh uncovered footage from a panel. Uh, someone stood up and gave a talk talking about what the opening of a gender clinic would mean and talking about the cost of surgeries and, um, you know, for each patient that each female patient that walks in that says, um, you know, I want to have bottom surgery and, and become a boy, they estimate it was between 20 and $40,000 for the hospital. Um, and the, the person speaking says, and, and that's, you know, probably a, a, an underestimate underestimation it's probably more like a hundred thousand dollars because of the follow-ups because of the prescriptions that they need when you undergo one of those surgeries you're you're a customer for life you're never going to be without pills so they they stopped that because that got a bunch of bash backlash saying like okay so you're having you're doing gender surgeries on 12 year olds and 14 year olds and 15 year olds because you want to make money um, and so it went all the way up. A Tennessee senator, um, I think, or it might be a representative, wrote a letter saying, hey, you know, this needs to stop immediately. Um, and so the board of directors for Vanderbilt said, we don't have direct oversight into this. First of all, we weren't aware of anything going on. And we, we, we are now pausing any um, work with children to, you know, investigate further and, and make sure we're following best practices, et cetera. So first of all, what what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, so I had two thoughts. I forgot one of them as I was writing the other one down. Awesome. Uh, so hopefully it comes back to me. <laughs> um, but the one thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the root cause of the problem, it seems like you don't have really an issue with a consultation. You have an issue with a consultation with the current incentives in place. Right. So like I think speaking to doctors and and, and getting opinions and, uh, you know, what specialist should I see wouldn't be as big of an issue if there weren't these kickbacks, uh, if they weren't incentivized by money and were incentivized by the Hippocratic Oath. Right. Doing no harm or trying to help patients the best they can. Do you, do you have any argument against that? I mean, if the incentives were reversed, what would you think about that as a step before a surgery? Well, if if the incentive structure were different than it is now, then you wouldn't really have people going to doctors. Basically, what I'm saying is, when is a doctor necessary? If someone walks in and says, I'm confused, I think that I'm a boy, but between my legs, there's there's nothing there. There's no reason for a doctor to be involved with the correct incentive structure. What they say is, oh, you're confused. Go to a therapist. Right. So, I mean, that's to me, right? Like, I think that's something that a patient and a doctor should be able to discuss. You know, I think in olden olden times, I think that was something that was more well known, right? You had a family doctor, there was a trust there, you know, you could go and discuss issues and then they could recommend actual, you know, the the people you should, you ought to see. Right. Um, And I think, because of the pharmaceutical industry and, you know, these insurance companies and all of it being, you know, for profit and not for people, the whole system is messed up. And I think this is, you know, a symptom of it in in that regard. 
I, I don't disagree in that, you know, if, if there's a family um, that has a primary care physician and, you know, a child is going in for their annual checkup and it's, you know, a 15 year old and throughout the, the checkup, you know, the doctor asks, hey, is there is there anything else, you know, we should be talking about here? And the kid says, yeah, you know, I've been having these thoughts and it, I don't really feel like a boy. You know, I, I, I really feel like I'm a girl. Um, you know, there are states right now where it would be illegal for the parent to then say, no, 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 you're a you're you actually are a boy. Um, and they would have to begin that transition. Um, there was a, a pretty famous case about a 14, 15 year old girl in I think it was Oregon. I always get Oregon and Washington mixed up. So my apologies to whichever state isn't doing this. Um, <laughs> but there was a, a devout Muslim family. Um, and the girl said, you know, I'm a boy, um, in front of a doctor and the doctor kind of said, Oh, okay. Like you need to come in at this time and place for a consult. And so the dad was, you know, taking care of the daughter and brought her and, and thought that he would be able to kind of have a conversation with the doctor and, and make it clear, like, no, 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 she's, she's actually a girl. Um, and that wasn't what was happening at all. Basically that meeting, that consultation was to try to get the dad on board with, Hey, this is what's going to happen next. He called his lawyer friend like between meetings and said, like, what's going on here? And the lawyer let him know, like, they will have cause to remove her from you if you say you're not going to go along with this. So he kind of smiled and gritted his teeth throughout that meeting. And then when he got home, he packed his bag and moved his family out of the state. And the idea that that is what you have to do, you know, we kind of have been talking in, in uh, hypotheticals this whole time. The fact that that's a real story that's happened in the United States of America is appalling to me. If we were to look at, in a hypothetical case, a place where that isn't the case and where a primary care physician can say, oh, well, you know, that confusion is becoming more and more common these days. And, you know, I know uh, a couple of, of people that you would be able to speak to that might be able to help you sort those things out and then do talk therapy for years. I, I just really can't find the example where someone is better off having a mutilated body than having a whole body. Um, and as soon as I see that, you know, I'll, I'll change my position on this, but well, so here's the thing. I don't know that you'll ever be able to, in a sense, see that, right. People don't always tell the truth. We don't read minds, right? So I, I think there probably are circumstances where this you know, this change, the surgery probably does help people. I understand you may have a disagreement with that. I have no proof, uh, but you have no proof to the contrary, in a sense, right? You can only get so much from uh, studies dealing with individuals that are giving opinions, right? I think you can objectively look at, you know, suicide rates before and after, uh, and you can see that it's exactly the same. Pretty clearly see that, right? But again, that's not a hundred percent and a hundred percent. There are going to be instances where someone truly believes this, and by looking another way, they live a happier, healthy life. Happier, maybe not healthier, but happier life. So I can't think of. Here's another question, right? We we know Rachel Dolezal, the um, transracial, uh, the white woman that claimed to be black. Um, there's also a growing number of transabled people 
um, where, you know, they, they say, oh, actually, you know, I was born in the wrong body. I'm actually supposed to be disabled. And they'll have people that take, you know, hot spoons and blind themselves. But would basically my question would be, do you support, um, you know, if, if someone comes in, let's let's assume that everything that we said for the transgendered person is true for this transabled person. Right. They went to a doctor, said, I feel this way. Doctor, you know, sent them to, to talk therapy after years, you know, they still feel this way. Do you think that we should have uh, a medical institution that's okay with, say someone identifies as a, as a quadriplegic, um, and the, the best way to make that happen in, in their mind is to remove their limbs, right? So cut off both their arms, both their legs, um, and let them live out that true identity. Is, is that something that we should be doing? So here's, here's the thing that I will fight against with that right one i you know in in my opinion right i don't think they should do that uh at the same time i don't believe it's my choice uh to tell people what they should and shouldn't do right now where it gets tricky is are you infringing upon the rights of others right so is this person that's now a quadriplegic are we having to use our tax dollars to help them continue to live Right. So that's where you're infringing now upon my rights. You're taking money from me and giving it to someone who did not work for it. And that's where, you know, I, I think we can actually have an interesting discussion on pronouns and how people identify the, the famous Jordan Peterson video that blew up with him, you know, really being, you know, you should not allow forced speech. Right. You, you should not be able to compel someone to say something. I don't think it's right to force people to use a certain pronoun, right? And one weird thing to me also is, oh, well, my truth says that I am a woman, but you're actually a man. Okay, well, my truth contradicts that. Who's, whose truth is more valid, right? My well, truth says that you're a man, right? So, like, I don't know how they deal with these logical inconsistencies. It's, it's where you have to have a value judgment and we have to establish, is there such thing as objective reality and objective truth? If the answer is yes, then we can say, you can say that that's your truth, but it isn't the truth. Uh, it is your fantasy. The truth is that you are a man. Compelled speech, I think I agree. We can, we can have a, a lively discussion about the use of pronouns I'm fine with just eliminated pro eliminating pronouns from language and um, only using people's names in every scenario all the time, uh, because that seems like it solves a big problem there. But no, for for real, I, I agree with you that the idea of compelled speech in civilized society is incredibly dangerous, and that's how speech codes really come into play. I, re I read most of an interesting book about how in order to be able to think, you have to be able to articulate the thoughts in your mind, and that comes from using words. And if you don't have the mental conception of what a word is or what it means, then you can't use it in a thought. So by restricting and restricting and restricting the language that people are able to use to only the, the very, very slimmest amount, you can really restrict what people are thinking. And that's why when you see, I think we've talked about it in the past, but gender affirming care, what does that mean? It means we are affirming, we are agreeing with what you believe. And we are saying that what we are doing is taking care of you. When 
I think it's sexual organ mutilation because that's what it is, right? You're, you're taking healthy sex organs and destroying them. So, so how we frame, how we use the words, I think that that's what's really impressive about the left wing in the United States. And obviously it's, it's because most of the media agrees with them and, and adopts it in lockstep at the right time. But they're so good at framing the debate. You know, we talk about women's health care when we're talking about the ending of children's lives. Um, it's, it's really incredible. But yeah, w- what do you think about what I said there? Gosh, I had another. I hate that my mind races so much. I'll, I'll throw one more because... thing out there. If you want. And you can try to try to think about what I just said a little bit and get your response. But the other thing you said earlier that was um, I kind of wanted to respond to was I think that people will be happier, even if it's, you know, one in a million or whatever. You know, someone will be happier, maybe not healthier, but they will be happier. And I, I think that a happiness really isn't an objective thing. Right. So someone can say, I feel happier today, like we talked about with in the sapiens episode, you can't really equate happiness with pleasure. That is such a loose definition and and a loose target to be aiming at. I think we have to aim at something higher. And that's why I, I don't think that happiness should be the goal, but you know, what's true, what's good and what's beautiful. And I think when you look at what happens to a 16 year old girl that walks into a, a clinic and says, you know, I, I think I'm a boy. If we take a snapshot of her, then, and then take a take a look at the age of 26. If you ask me, is that true? Is that good? Or is that beautiful? None of those things are there. But again, that's a moral judgment based on your values that you've been brought up with. No. That, you don't think so? I think that there are objective realities and you can look at someone who has been mutilated and say that person isn't beautiful. You can look at someone that's been mutilated and say what happened to them was not good. Uh, And you can look at someone claiming to be a man when they are clearly a woman and say that's not true. I I can understand what you're saying. But to go back to my point about, you know, being happier. Have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Yes. Uh, So Lieutenant Dan was a pretty sad man who wanted to die in the war like the rest of his family, right? So that's like someone walking in and asking for assisted suicide. But Forrest Gump was the therapist that came in, and even though he lost his legs, he saved his life. And, you know, he was happy about it. He was happy that Forrest had saved his life. So if you're trying to tell me that someone who lost both legs can't be happy, then I recommend watching Forrest Gump. So that's one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I mean, if you want me to respond to that, I will. But Listen, Paul, you can't really respond to that. Because it's, <laughs> You're kind it's... of right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't. Okay. Uh, let me let me continue moving on. Um, so it seems like a lot of the a lot of the stories that you're bringing up are specifically dealing with kids. And actually, to go back to the story about the the devout Muslim family that moved states, and you said, you know, that's that's appalling. I, I think there are many stories of, you know, families moving in order to seek a better life. And I think where I would like to see the country is, you know, vote with where you live, right? So if if there are states that want to allow this, I would prefer that the federal government stays out of it, and only the people that like those values will live in that state. If the manufacturing plant dries up, right, is it better to to live poor and 
and do nothing or is it better to leave and go to a different state right so i think this this father did the right thing uh and got out of there right so i don't necessarily think that's an appalling story i think it can be looked at or framed as someone saw something wrong and the only way for evil to succeed is for good people to do nothing right and this good person did something right yeah. they got their family out of there Right, but the idea that a state government is mandating something evil happen to your children, so you have to flee. It's one thing to say, okay, I see what you're you know, saying. There's an opportunity for better prosperity over here. But uh, another issue with that, and and I agree, vote with your feet. I understand why you're saying that, and I don't have a fundamental disagreement with it. But what we're seeing right now, um, the best example being Texas and California, is people are seeking a better life because of one particular avenue most people are leaving california because of very high taxes and they're moving to texas because they have no state taxes and when they get there they're voting for the same social policies that turned california into what's the politically correct way a hellhole i think would be the oh i was about to say the 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 poop hole but oh okay um no i i mean open drug use, open air drug markets, um, you know, a, a homeless epidemic, underfunded police. And there were stories about just in, you know, good neighborhoods, you know, kids can't go outside because there are, uh, you know, used needles on the sidewalks everywhere. Um, and that's, that's not good. Uh, and I'm not saying that Texas is moving that way quickly. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is the people that are fleeing California for Texas didn't learn their lesson and they're saying oh yeah awesome let's go there let's pay less and then they're voting for the same policies that ruined california well to me that seems like a fundamental flaw um that people are not smart (laughs) a lot of people have been dumbed down to be worker bees to make sure that you know the elites get what they want uh, and continue to make profit right that's what the education system has been in a sense brought down to and, and again, to me, I think that's another, you know, root cause of the problem. People are not being raised to think logically or to solve problems or to think about consequences, right? Like maybe it'd be a good idea to, to mandate chess be a class so that people have to think about what's three steps down the line. If I go here, this looks great, right? But you know, know how my... tough it would be to just fail chess like four times in a row and you can't move on to seventh grade because you can't get through chess class? <laughs> that would be tough. No, I, I love I love chess. I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. But you, you see what I'm saying where it's like, you know, again, I think that's what's the root cause of that problem? Why are people continuing to vote for the things they left from? That that seems like, uh, you know, insanity doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And I mean, that brings up a good point. A lot of what this is is a mental health crisis and a social contagion where people are getting brownie points by being trans or non-binary, right? Why are the incentives to congratulate these people? Because, I think Because victims, we have a, um, yeah, there is a, an oppression hierarchy and the higher, the higher your victim status, the more... Um, you know, oppressed you can claim to be, and then um, the more you expect society to hand you. I mean, did did the people that fought for this country that, you know, rebelled because they weren't giving equal fair representation? Uh, oh, fuck, I had a good place where this was going. It's okay. 
No, uh, you're fine. So I think you and I actually, I was about to say this, actually. You you and I, I think, will always fundamentally end up at some agreement when we talk about societal ills in the United States because we have that agreement about the founding that it was a good thing um, and it was founded on right reason and good I, moral principles. And that's kind of where I wanted to go, right? Like, not just that, but these people that fought, they weren't victims. They decided to do something about it, right? They decided to take action and make their lives better. And they're right. celebrated for creating the greatest place in the world where people can choose to be victims, right? And like, isn't that such a freedom? Isn't that such a privilege to choose to be a victim? And here's the the biggest thing is that they, they aren't celebrated anymore. They are, they are demonized because they were not victims uh, in part. You know, the only people that are celebrated are, you know, if it's the 1619 project, it's, it's you know, America was actually founded on slavery. Um, just, you know, this past week, I, I know it's going to be a week late by the time this gets out, but uh, we had Columbus Day, or as it's now known, Indigenous Peoples Day. Why was that, you know, that switch hasn't officially happened. We still do have the federal holiday Columbus Day. I know it's the most disrespected one, like only banks are closed, like nobody gets off work, nobody even gets off school anymore. But there is a that switch happened in the past decade because we switched from a society that had flaws in its past but was proud of the principles that we were founded on to one that was disgusted with our past and only promoted victimhood uh, and because of that we say look at these you know poor natives they're all victims even though I, and I have to tell this story real quick. I don't know if you've been to any sporting events where they've done a land acknowledgement. Have you have you experienced that? I have not. So in, I, I went to one where instead of doing a national anthem, um, in place of the national anthem, they had a moment of silence and listed off the tribes of Native Americans whose land was stolen. The land we were sitting on for the sporting event was stolen from these tribes and listed, you know, 12 tribes. And it creates this picture of oh you know before evil columbus arrived you know there was a utopia of perfect peace and tranquility and everyone just lived in harmony with nature and everything was good and it's like no it we had wars you know european settlers had wars with native peoples um but the wars went both ways there were tribes that were good and tribes that were bad i just posted there was a, a pretty good five minute video kind of going through the history of the conquistadors and the aztecs and just some of the stuff that was happening in the united states and i i think that change is really indicative and kind of brings us back to the the conversation about victimhood even if it's not true um i don't personally think that trans people are are victimized in you know the world today i think um maybe they may be slightly ostracized in, in some situations. Um, and, and that is too bad, but that is because of their, the choice that, the, that they make around gender. Um, if they had that internal struggle and they kept it internal, there wouldn't be any way for someone that doesn't suffer from gender dysphoria to, you know, have a discrimination against them. I don't know. I think that a lot of that hatred of our own history stems from the same thing that makes us say, you know, um, you're evil if you don't agree with with transgender ideology and if you don't agree with, you know, giving kids hormone blockers. What's funny enough, and it it probably can uh, put us into the the next, you know, trans topic. Uh, but 
I think in certain places of the world, the victimhood ladder, women are above trans people in places where you can't be a gay man. Uh, so you have to transition. But at the same time, women are treated horribly, right? So there are places where it's almost better to be trans than it is to be a woman. But my point with that was, what do you think the trans movement is doing that kind of fights feminism, that goes against the grain of of what you know Title IX was about, what women's spaces are now, in a sense, being attacked by or being riddled with? Yeah, I mean, the, the best example of this would be J.K. Rowling being canceled for being what they call a TERF, a trans-exclusionary <sighs> radical feminist. Um, but yeah, when you bring up Title IX, that's a great point. I can't believe we haven't talked about that. I mean, there are a lot of movements at the federal level to sneak in gender identity anywhere that previously said gender uh, or religion or sexual orientation. So in Title IX, where it says there's going to be, you know, equal rights and equal space for women to have their own sports, and you can't discriminate on the basis of race or sex or religion or gender identity, all of a sudden, all of the places that had a safe space for women now is a space for women and mentally ill men. And I think that completely undermines the purpose of Title IX and you know, we, we saw that with Leah Thomas. That was the famous, you know, swimmer. I'm not going to pretend to to know a lot about women swimming. I, I did have a s sister that competed at, in college uh, at, you know, at the collegiate level at swimming. And there are biological differences, right? When when Leah Thomas was whatever the his name was before he became Leah, he was something like the 487th ranked male swimmer uh, in college swimming and then becomes the number one swimmer in multiple events in women's swimming. And that's because there are ingrained biological differences, hormonal differences between men and women. And to deny that and enshrine in law gender identity laws like that, like, like including them in Title IX, it just completely destroys the opportunity. And it's not going to happen all at once. Um, but, you know, as soon as just a couple of guys get into the women's sport, it's completely compromised, right? Like there's there's nothing those women can do to overcome that. When a 400 star is working for years and years to cut one second or eight tenths of a second off of their 400 time, and then a guy comes in and blows them out by three seconds, no amount of work, no amount of, even, even if that woman had access to all of the illegal, by the way, drugs that she wanted, any any amount of, of testosterone, any amount of HGH, <coughs> you still can't overcome those biological differences. So to me, this is where the left or, you know, the LGBTQ AI plus, it, it's where it eats its tail, right? These two statements that I'm about to say cannot both be true at the same time. There is no difference between men and women, statement one, and statement two, well, if this boy feels like a girl, then we should block their hormones and cut off their penis. If there's no difference between men and women, why does it matter if someone's trans? We, we shouldn't be doing any of these things to change them. They, they just feel the other way. They feel like they are. So to me, that's where it, it, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's part of what they're trying to do, to confuse people and, and make sure that it doesn't make sense. Those two statements cannot both be true at the same time. Yeah, uh, logical consistency isn't a strong suit of the um, 
the people that are pushing those ideologies, unfortunately. If it was, we might be able to have productive conversations, but instead it has to be a conservative talking with a libertarian in order for us to, to <laughs> find some, some amount of common ground. But one thing that you said there, actually, I want to clarify as well. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that could make us return to sanity in this debate is to separate out the two categories that are encompassed by LGBTQAIP, LMNORST. V, W, X. The lesbians, the gays, and the bisexuals are all dealing with their sexual preference. That's one thing, and that's something that I think everyone understands. There may be some people that really don't feel any sexual desires in their lives, and, and um, you know, that's kind of unfortunate for them. But for the rest of us, we can identify with, okay, so I know what it's like to be attracted to someone here. So, okay, you're attracted to a different type of person, but I can, I can understand that. Then we talk about gender identity, and I just really don't understand why people with atypical sexual orientations and people with incorrect gender identities are grouped together. Like, that's two completely different things. So if we were able, as a society, to break that acronym and just say, okay, issues that pertain to lesbian, gay, and bisexual people are over here, and, you know, we can deal with them as a society when they come up, but they pretty much have been dealt with, right? They, you know, they've got gay marriage. What else is there? Okay, cool. Then we have the transgender people and the um, non-binary people and that group that says, oh, you need to change how you talk. We need surgeries. We need hormones. We need X, Y, Z. Oh, and by the way, we're going to do it to the to our kids too. We're going to have transgender drag shows or whatever. Then we can kind of separate those issues out and say, look, clearly this is wrong. Clearly this shouldn't be happening if we're going to have a functional society and we'd be able to solve those. But I think because it's all under the same umbrella, as soon as you try to talk against that, people are like, oh, you're homophobic. And it's like, this has nothing to do with gay people. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, I think part of it is by grouping them all together, it now creates a bigger group, right? And the bigger the group is, the harder it is to to squash, right? So I think... You know, they, they try and add more letters all the time, again, to add more people in to make it a larger group. And so I, I think that's part of it. And, and it's working, right? Like, like Correct. Like we've talked yeah. about in the past, where, you know, Gen Z is up to over 20% identifying in that, you know, underneath that umbrella. And, and I think in a sense, it's like, even if you just are a straight person, you're incentivized to say, no, but I'm unique. So I'm going to be demisexual and <coughs> intelligence or, or whatever it is. And I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it is just, you know, it is a cultural ph phenomenon and everybody wants to be involved. And I think that we were talking earlier about the education system. There is a social contagion part of this that has been studied and, you know, I, I could reference, but I haven't read enough to not get things wrong when talking about Are it. Are so you talking about like Abigail Schreier's book? Yes. Um, about you know how groups of uh, girls will all come out as trans at the same time mm -hmm. yeah so I, I again also don't know enough to really speak intelligently about it i just know that i've listened to her speak with uh with rogan and i didn't know, hear she, that one actually i didn't i didn't listen to that episode what, what were the big takeaways i don't know that i can even give all the big takeaways because it was it was probably a couple years ago 
but it was, you know, all about how the social pressure to fit in and now fitting in is being different, right? Presses people to take on one of these identifiers. And again, to gain brownie points, to gain victimhood status. I wish I could give more details about it, but I think that's what, that's what you were speaking about, right? Some of these different books that have come out. Exactly. The, the, the social contagion aspect there, especially in groups of teenage girls is, is just crazy when you, when you see the stats and that's what I mean is I don't have the stats in front of me. Well, actually I I do, now that you brought that up, she was comparing it to cutting uh, and other issues that would be in the past brought about because of uh, attention, right? So it's an attention seeking thing that has probably gotten worse because of social media, you know, looking at fake pictures of people and saying, well, you know, all these women look like this and I don't look like that. That is putting pressure on individuals. And again, I think it's also, oh, my best friend is trans. I want to be trans. That's not very, you know, academically relevant, but (laughs) you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And and again, just to bring this back to like a 60,000 foot view, we in the West have eliminated the part of teaching children that includes having pride about our history and where we come from, as well as our moral foundation. So, you know, we don't teach the Bible anymore. We don't really teach any sort of morality in school. And instead, quite often in in a lot of the the different uh, areas of the country, there are a lot of teachers that have their own agenda that includes promoting socialist views, promoting Marxist views, and promoting gender confusion. And so, you know, Libs of TikTok is a pretty famous account that I'm surprised we haven't brought up yet. They kind of brought recently this conversation up by basically challenging what public statements have been made by, you know, the PR departments of some hospitals by calling in and saying, hey, I have a 16 year old. You know, I wanted to find out about transgender surgery when the hospital is, you know, the PR department is saying, no, we don't do any surgeries on minors. But they have shown uh, a lot of gender nonconforming. I think they say gender nonconforming teachers instilling this in, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, saying, no, you can't call me Mrs. or Mr. I'm, you know, mix or, or whatever the special uh, adjective they use is. Adjective isn't the right word. What's that called? Prefix? Title. Title? Yeah, whatever special title they take. They're telling this to a third grader. And then when the third grader says, well, why? They say, well, because I'm not a boy or a girl. And it's like, you can't say that to an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old um, and expect there not to be follow-up questions. And when it's not a parent that's doing that, it's like, this is what's happening in our public school system. And I think it goes back to, you know, we need to abolish the public school system. <laughs> now, so, just just uh, one thing I wanted to, in a sense, push back against. Uh, you said a lot of teachers, right? So there are a lot of examples, right? And, you know, people have fallen into the trap. There are you know, a lot of cops that are bad, right? And it's because you only see the worst of the worst, right? I think in general, there are teachers that are doing what you just spoke about. But I also think there are teachers that are that are also trapped in the social contagion, right? That you can't talk about certain things or that you have to give this opinion or else, you know, you'll go to the principal and they'll tell well, you, you know, right. what the school's policy is. And so um, Yes, and I agree. I'll I'll say this to clarify. The vast majority of students that go through the public school system don't get that sort of indoctrinative influence from a teacher along the way. 
right? I'm, I'm not trying to make a claim that right, you know, right. 90% of students this is happening to. But what I will say is I do know some public school teachers in those same age groups. And I was talking to one that was telling me about how questions came up about Christmas. You know, it was around Christmas time. They're about to go on Christmas break. And she wasn't allowed to make certain statements for fear of being told that she would be religiously indoctrinating her kids. And it's like, when you can't answer questions about a holiday, that's a public holiday that you get a month long break from school for when our country was founded on Christian principles, it's like, well, what are we all doing here? Do you have to call it a holiday tree? Are you kidding me? You know? So that's where I say it's like the, the worst of both worlds, right? That there is, the possibility that there's a teacher that has a social contagion thing going on and, and they have confusion in their own life and they don't push it down on the kids and maybe they do. Um, but even if a teacher tried to do the opposite and tried to, you know, I'll call it indoctrination cause that's what it is, but in a positive way for a positive good, giving them guidance as to why we believe what we believe and why the country is what it is and what our history is and give some foundation for the principles that allowed us to live in the freest, most properest society ever created. And you can get in trouble for that. You can lose your job for that. So you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I completely get what you mean. Um, now, Paul, we're, we're uh, close to our time. I wanted to kind of wrap up, give some final thoughts. And the big thing I wanted to discuss was my stance is that adults, you know, I think there should maybe be some some prerequisites before you get a a sex change therapy. Um, But I'm pretty much 100 percent against any children having any sort of hormone blockers or sex change surgeries. And I think that's one because, you know, I don't think people... You know, even I just turned 24 a few months ago. Um, I don't know if my brain is fully developed, quote unquote, but um, I I don't think you have the ability to understand uh, what it means to to start doing these uh, gender care affirming, whatever you want to call it, uh, interventions. Right. I, I don't think a six year old understands that they're giving up their ability to reproduce to know what sexual intimacy is and i think it's just something that is very nerve-wracking and scary that it's being pushed down many children's throats and you know you've made some good arguments and i can see why you think overall the trans issue is you know we're we're not hitting the root of the problem uh it seems to be a mental disorder and some people may call that incompassionate but it's it's the reality. It's something is wrong with someone when they do not think they are the sex that they are. Any thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, we're we're, we're not going to find the the actual agreement because I don't think any amount of doctors or therapists that you talk to, um, if they're doing their job correctly, can end up saying yes. The the right answer here is for you to mutilate yourself. And that's that's at the end of the day, all we can do um, as, you know, as humans. Right. We're not God. We don't have the ability to create out of nothing functional organs that don't align with your chromosomes. So I think I think we would have a very different conversation if technology was so far advanced that 
you know, a, a gender transition surgery was something where you went in for 24 hours and when you came out, you actually were the opposite gender. You know, you had full sexual function, you looked at, you had the hormonal makeup, you, even your chromosomes were changed. So you went from XX to XY. If that were a thing, then this conversation would be totally different, but we don't have that technology. What we have right now is the ability to go in and say, okay, you think you're a girl? We'll, we'll do our best here. And, you know, cut, cut, snip, snip. And here, get on these drugs forever so that that wound that we created um, in your pubic area never heals so that you can have something that appears to be somewhat similar to a vagina. And the idea that that is something that a doctor that took the Hippocratic Oath can prescribe for you know, his patient to me is abhorrent. Um, so yeah, I, you know, we disagree and, and I do understand the libertarian view of the government shouldn't tell an adult what an adult can do. But I also think that as a society, we have to have principles and those principles have to be held in common for us to stay together as a society. Otherwise we will degenerate and we'll fall apart and we won't be able to remain the pinnacle of human existence. Like we have for the last hundred or so years. And, and yeah, I, I think that as soon as we accept this as mainstream and ingrain it in law all over the place, the game is lost. Yeah. It, and I totally respect your opinion. And, and I'm fine with us having this disagreement because the root is we, we both agree that what's going on is overall not good for society, not good for people. And yeah, I guess I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Um, this was probably the heaviest topic that we've directly um, had here on Brace so far. So For we sure. appreciate you people who gave it the listen. Uh, we're open to both sides of the argument. We're open to the discussion. Maybe even disagreed with us, but continued to listen anyways. Um, we understand that everything we say isn't going to be popular throughout this, uh, this <coughs> channel. And Again, we, we really value our, our listeners, and we want to hear from you. We, we haven't really um, – I have a couple of friends that text me when they listen and, and give their thoughts, and I appreciate them. Um, and for the rest of you that listen, because I, I get to see how many people listen. So there's some of you that aren't talking to us. Let us know what you think. Um, let us know you know, if there's something that we should have brought up because we're, we're not going to get better if you guys don't give us the tools to do so. So we very much appreciate you. Um, and, Tommy, do you want to give our listeners – uh, some sort of hint as to what we're going to be doing next? Well, I guess me and Paul haven't fully confirmed it, but I think we ought to finish Sapiens. But in the event that we do not finish Sapiens, we've got another uh, another book that we're going to be doing next, and that's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. Uh, so it'd be great if you uh, picked up the book and read along and were able to you know, have your own discussion with us or at least, you know, listen to our discussion uh, and, you know, post some feedback and, oh, well, yeah, I agree with that or disagree with that. You know, it'd, it'd be great, as Paul was saying, to hear from you guys. And uh, we look forward to uh, to discussing more with you next time. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Yay!